You're listening to Heart of the Hunter, a serialized fantasy novel set in Koronai, the magical country. This story was written and performed by Sam Chubb. For more information about this podcast, including upcoming role-playing game releases associated with this novel, check out heartofthehunter.com. Now, please enjoy Heart of the Hunter, Chapter 9. The host of Vela emerged from the forest, having already surrounded the camp entire. Everywhere Jack's boys looked, they saw a loaded dracon, a taut strung bow, or cocked crossbow, waiting. Jack staggered a bit, starting to lumber towards what he had hoped was an empty spot in the trees, searching in his drunken stupor for his pistol. But then an arrow, straight and true, struck Jack in the thigh. The arrow flew and pierced all the way through. He fell to his knees and then to the dust itself. The world swum around him as he struggled to maintain consciousness. He kept trying to stand, but his left leg screamed an unholy fire and pain. Arryn had already dismounted and took several breaths to aim. For Jan! Arryn cried and fired his Dracon pistol, and Mad Jack lived no more. The gypsies now were as silent as statues on their horses. Used to hunting while mounted, the steeds barely moved at all. Bows were drawn, pistols charged and ready. Tichan slowly raised his arms. Surrender! Do it, fools! Don't you see? Your master Jack's dead! Do what they want, and you may live. One by one, they slowly raised their arms, casting aside their weapons. In the mass of bandit faces, the second in command was not obvious. Looking around, Jack's boys saw that Frick, Jack's right hand, had already fled them. The Changaman turned back to the gypsies. There, you see... They can be reasonable. Now, I'm sure that we can talk about this like gentle... His voice was cut off by a burbling sound, and his red-black blood was seen filling his mouth. Two daggers had appeared in his back by the time he was falling forward, bloody and already dead. Daggers with raven talons on them. Then... Suddenly, the daggers vanished, and blood poured from his wounds like wine from a broken cask. Arryn threw Raven a look as he dismounted his horse, then turned to address Jack's boys, who had grown quite attentive. "'Hear me, one and all of you,' Arryn said, tracing a sign in the air. "'You are hereby marked with the Tallini Tavan.' The mark of madness. It is a symbol. Only the Velisti may see. Go from here and do no more harm. Go from this place and change your ways, and you may yet live. But as of this moment on, you are all marked. And gypsy folk will never trust you, aid you, or provide you shelter. Now, go quietly, and you may yet live. 
One of the brigands, a Yarian lout with a burn scar on his cheek, spat at the ground at Arryn's feet and opened his mouth to begin a harangue. Three arrows, one shot into his open mouth directly, silenced him, and he fell to the forest floor. The rest of Mad Jack's boys began backing off, scrabbling through the camp and grabbing what they could as they ran. Arryn turned to Raven, who was holding her throwing blades now. The blades were clean. They were starting to stand down, Raven. Why did you kill that Changi? I have my reasons. Personal reasons. Suffice it to say that, well, that fellow didn't have much in the way to recommend him, Raven said, and then her blades vanished. Arryn saw that her forearm tattoos moved briefly for a moment as they did. I see. We'll see that his words were interrupted by a flare of light, blue and piercing, that surrounded the fallen body of the Changaman, who Raven had slain. A triangle of light surrounded the body, and then suddenly the light and the body was no more. Raven ran over and kicked with her boot at the blood-stained dust where the man had lain. Lothus first damn breasts, she yelled. I can't believe this. Why would someone bother to pour out a corpse? Alabar looked up from where he bent over the still unconscious girl. It's quite simple, really. Whomever did that wanted to revive him. As long as there is a sliver of life left, there is a chance that a talented healer would be able to bring him back to life. Raven shook her head and growled, Thrice-damned Quadong. She bent to pick up a steel box the man had dropped when he had been hit and tucked the box into her satchel for later. Arryn looked about the camp, watching the men slowly recede, jackals on the run. Perhaps you'll explain later. For now, let's get the girl on the back of your horse, Raven. Alabar looked up, worried, from where he sat with Chandra. Hold for a moment. She's resisting my attempts to heal her. I don't think she wants... Raven stepped quickly over to the injured woman and the shepherd who was trying to heal her. She caught Alabar's eyes with her own, then shook her head, looking at Chandra. I've seen the look before, brother. Looks like she is badly injured, and she certainly doesn't trust anyone. She bent down. Here, let me, she said, touching the woman's chin, looking into her eyes. Careful, she's delirious, in shock, and worse, Alabar said. Here, Garin, please, take a wedge to these chains. I don't see the key for the lock, Alabar said, trying to make a visual catalog of Chandra's injuries. While the other riders of Vela stood guard, Garin Hunter and his brothers quickly found a hammer and wedge in their packs and set to striking the chain free on a stone. Raven offered her hand to Chandra, trying to help her up, to get her away from the hammer blows. Chandra gazed into her eyes as she could scarcely believe she would ever see another person, especially another woman. Taking Raven's hand, she stood on her own then, just as Garin Hunter split the chain binding her. 
and they freed her from the cuffs. Shutting her chain, she took a few steps defiantly on her own, though she walked with a treacherous limp. Alabar rose to assist her, but she pushed off any offer of help, moving across the campsite step by bloody step. Raven waved Alabar off and stood behind the woman. Leaning over, Chandra spit on the corpse of Mad Jack. Her disheveled hair hung down, matted with blood and worse. She let her hands dangle loose in front of her. Then, flames drizzled out of her palms, her hands, and danced inches away from her skin, wavering as if fed by fine lamp oil. Light protect us, Alabar said quietly, taking a step back. The flames burned further to the ground, and she took a step forward towards the corpse. With a howl of wordless rage, she thrust her hands forward, and the flames erupted into a cremating torrent. Magic, Raven said, her eyes wide. Backing away from Chandra, she suddenly realized why there was a half-burned corpse pushed off to the side in haste. It had been one of Chandra's earlier tormentors. The fire burned fiercely, as if the dancing flames were themselves fueled with an unremitting hunger. Garin gave Raven something round, wooden, solid, an ashwood ring that had been pierced by the spike that had held Chandra to the ground. Proof against most magic. Raven threw the ring into Jack's pyre, felt the cold of the ashwood's presence leave abruptly as it burned. In a few heartbeats, there was nothing left, and not even fire sparks from the body dared rise into the sky. Soon, the hungry flame made sure that all that remained of Mad Jack was a pile of white ash, and suddenly the fire blew itself out, leaving behind the sickly sweet stench of burned flesh. Silence descended. Chandra collapsed then, leaning against Raven, who helped ease the woman down. Raven nodded to Alabar, who stepped forward slowly. Arin turned to the assembled breathless gypsies, breaking their awestruck gaze with his voice. My brothers, spread out and patrol the camp and surrounds. We must take some time to heal this one. And you, you, and you there, let's get these bodies stacked to burn. The sun is nearly to bed, the stars dance in their paths, and the moon will be up soon enough. Move! Alabar watched as Raven held Chandra's hand, gently, lifting it up and peering at it. Unharmed. Not burned. So, it must be, as you say, Raven, magic. I, uh, the magic reminds me of someone else I once knew. Raven said quietly. "'Was certainly not wizardry. This at least I know,' Aron said. She had no focus but her own rage. "'Not,' he added, as he saw Raven's accusatory glance, "'that her rage wasn't appropriate.' Alavar laid his hand gently on the woman's forehead and closed his eyes. His eyelids fluttered open, and he quickly gasped, turning to Raven's face.' 
so much pain. So much shame. There is... There's nothing she could do. Raven had gone to her horse and unlimbered her saddlebags. She now brought out her water skin, bending down now to offer the woman a drink. Come on, come on now. Drink. You'll be thirsty after all that magicking. Come on now, Raven whispered to her. She looked up into Raven's eyes and then to Alabar's who had marshaled himself somewhat, calling to mind the meditations of his youth to recover his calm. When she had finished gulping the water, Chandra's voice came out ragged and uneasy. Do you take the blade you wear and end me? Chandra murmured. I am ruined for marriage, inhabited by demons, without funds or family. I am done. Do you end me? Chandra said, looking into Raven's eyes with rock-solid calm, as if she were asking after the price of a sidle roll in the marketplace. No. No, you just want to die, because you think it will be easier that way. I'll tell you, sister, you haven't got some kind of spawn of Vavasaur in you, you're not possessed. You're a magicker. A natural talent, they call you. An adept. No demon. Right, brother? Alabar nodded, then swallowed. Ah, yes, you are right. I would sense it, if so. How do you know about the magic? And about demons? I grew up in Starmoon District, brother. My mother was a seer. I know from sorcery. And with the talent you just showed, Chandra, well, that would be enough to earn your Star Moon badge back in Blackpool. Free access. No worries. The shock of the words could not pierce the exhausted haze of the woman, but she did not pull away from Raven holding her hand. Alabar whispered to her, but Raven and Arryn heard him. You are wounded, Chandra, bleeding. I need to help you. Will you accept healing? His hands hovered near, but did not touch her now. What do you mean, will she accept healing? Just give it to her, Arryn said, frustrated. What if she dies of her wounds here in this godforsaken camp? Raven nodded. Yeah, brother, go ahead with it. Alabar shook his head. I will not. She is asked to die. And while I cannot honor her request, I cannot in good conscience extend healing to one who would not be healed. Arryn bent down and brought his full attention to bear on the injured Yarian woman. The darkening night, the forest with the bloody bodies and smoking pyres, the strangeness of life and death, all of these fell away as his gaze leveled on her. Then he looked away, searching around the camp for something, anything, some sign of hope. She mumbled something and stared, delirious. He knelt down and caught her eye. You must live, Chandra. Listen to me, Arne said, 
his voice firm but gentle. Chandra's eyes rolled to have focus on the gypsy. Some part of her seemed to be paying attention at least. You have an obligation to your father, to the mercantile, Arn continued. Looking about again, his eyes landed on a shine of metal in the dust. He went over to the bloody body print the Changman had left behind and picked up the shiny disc. It glinted in the campfire light, and he brought it back to her, his face breaking into a grin. Here, this is your father's merchant's guild token, isn't it? You will need this to claim assurance once we reach Irontown. Since we are a guild-bound caravan, we are honor-bound to carry you there and to assist you in any way we may. Now, will you come with us? Or will you let what Mad Jack started be finished with your own will? She looked at him with hate glaring through her eyes, then back to Alabar and to Raven. She shook her head slowly, raggedly, in disbelief, sighing. She relaxed and fell back against Raven. All right, go, do, she said. Alabar reached for her then, and she suddenly fell asleep. So rapidly, her mouth remained open. Did she, did we lose her? Arryn said, bewildered. No, I have her. She merely sleeps deeply now. One word was all that I needed. Thank you, Wunjo. I, I know not what power you used on her, but you gained her hope for at least a breath. Arryn nodded and turned away. It's a gift I have. I can give hope to anyone. He turned and looked at the scene, blinking again as tears flooded his eyes. Except to the dead, Arryn whispered. His sight took over then and he could not help but swerve his gaze around the campsite, watching in the shadows as the legion of the murdered drew close, and as one silently observed the place where their captor had died. He saw the innkeepers from the busy bee. He saw Jan. He saw others from every country and every kindred. Well, mayhaps this day even them, Alabar said not realizing the doubled truth he was speaking. Then the shepherd poured the full measure of his holy light into Chandra through his hands, sending healing through to every part. You've been listening to Heart of the Hunter, a Coronai Chronicles story. Heart of the Hunter is brought to you by the Fireheart Foundry family of podcasts. Fireheart Foundry also produces... Fledgling, a Leaden Universe science fiction novel by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. The Bears Grove Podcast. Dragonkin, the podcast for kids and gaming. The Square One Podcast. And Vibrant Living. Find out more about the Fireheart Foundry at fireheartfoundry.com. This podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons Attribution, No Derivatives, No Commercial Use, License 2.5. Music is provided by the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com.
Thanks for listening, and we invite you back to our fire real soon. <laughs>